Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Locked on Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right across the restream, I've got Dave Weiss. Two Florida State fans, we love to talk, and every single day, Monday through Friday, we talk about Florida State football with the express goal of making you just a little bit smarter. Dave, some would say maybe 1% smarter about FSU football every single day. So make sure you're subscribed so our shows on your favorite podcast platform pop to the top of your queue. If you haven't checked out YouTube yet, well, go look up Locked on Seminoles on YouTube. Hit that little subscription bell. You can turn on notifications. It's worth the watch if you're in a YouTube mood. Tape Tuesdays are fun. Those work in a visual medium. And we're going to get to do a lot of neat stuff with it. But today, we're going to just talk about what has this season been. Now, we know you're smart. We know that you can look at the record and say, okay, this is a two and four football team. But Dave and I were talking and we think it's important to put some context around that. So first we're gonna contextualize the season by comparing the first half of this year to all of last year. How are we doing stats wise? What kind of changes have we seen? We're gonna go quantitative and qualitative. Then we're gonna look at what else is going on around college football. If you haven't been paying attention, this is the most chaotic year since 2007. I think it's like 45 ranked teams have lost at this point. A dozen top 10 teams have lost at this point. I think the number two spot has been held by four or five different teams and we're only in week seven or in week eight. We've gotten through week seven. So it's a crazy year and that'll add important context as well. And then we're gonna finish it off with what is the opportunity for Florida State headed into the second half of the season given the improvements we're gonna talk about and what's going on around college football. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Dave, I I just want to start us off by looking at where we've been and where we've gotten to. You know, we got a really great review from, I believe it was Keith this week. I hope it was Keith. If I got your name wrong, I apologize. I'll, I'll double check it later. That kind of praised us for putting things into context and having realistic expectations. And that's what we've been trying to tell people is we were there in 2013. Like I was at school. I was, I had Spanish or French next to Jameis Winston Spanish class. It was a crazy atmosphere just to be on campus. In fact, Funny story. Today is the five or the what eight year anniversary of that Clemson game. Yeah, uh, I went up there, and Friday I had a test I had to take before I got on the road, and I literally remember it was a it was a history class of some kind because I was a social sciences major. Getting to the last question, be like, oh my gosh, I didn't study for this. Like I I totally forgot to study this part, and I just kind of told the professor what had happened. That was my essay, and the answer it's like a paragraph. Getting ready for the Clemson game headed up there. I feel like an idiot. I'm really sorry. Usually I'm prepared. And I kid you not, he gave me half credit on that, uh, on that question. And when I got the test back, it said 0.5 credit, hell of a game, go Knowles. I was like, it was that, like, that's what was going on on campus that year. It was pandemonium. You could feel it in the air, but this year isn't that year. And comparing it to that year doesn't make any sense. It's just going to frustrate us. But I think, again, it's very important to understand where this team was, right? And the number I really want to call out is the rushing game. Because Dave, you actually said in your goals for the first leg of the season that you wanted 
the leading rusher to be a running back, which we laughed at, but you look at last year and it's like Jordan Travis was the leading rusher by 160 yards, probably more because that's college. That includes him getting sacked and losing yards. Yep. And you look at this year and it's a totally different story. Jay Sean Corbin on 81 attempts last year. So look, the attempts are almost the same. 81 through all of last year, 75 first half of this year. Instead of 401 yards, 556 yards. Last year, our number one rusher was our quarterback, averaging 5.8 yards, 5.8 yards a carry. This year, we have two guys, both running backs, averaging 7.4 yards a carry. Dave, what do you make of that improvement? I, you know, I make of it first that the passing game, uh, passing game hasn't been there. So I think the coaches have much to the chagrin of all the crap they were getting for not running the ball with a guy averaging nine yards a carry a few weeks ago. I think they kind of decided, Oh, we should actually just try that more. And it's worked. And it's been in spite of bad run blocking. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think the guys back there are just more talented than a lot of people thought they were. I don't think anybody had any expectations for Trajan Ward coming into this year. And he was a preferred walk on. And like you said, he's averaging seven yards a carry. Jayshon Corbin was kind of a known quantity. He was a four-star. He followed Jimbo to Texas A&M. But I think everybody expected him to be a good running back. And, you know, like I said, last year, uh, I didn't like the fact that our leading rusher was back. I, I love what Travis is doing with his legs. But to have an offense work well, you can't – I don't think you can have your leading rusher be a quarterback. And the coaches have placed an totally emphasis agree. on it. And it's it's – actually opened up the passing game the last couple of weeks in terms of Travis seeing the field better because he's under less pressure because the running game's taken that off of him. And that's the only way this offense is going to succeed with the personnel we have right now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that if you don't have a solid rushing game, no one's going to respect it. We've seen various arguments about the concept of setting up the pass and establishing the run game. There is statistical data out there that suggests that that is a myth, that running and passing success are not correlated. However, data is not always right, and that can find weird correlations because you can't, I don't wanna get too nerdy today, but it's a natural observation, right? You can't actually run an experiment. You can't have a team go out there and do a control group where they don't establish the run and then do it when they do. You're trying to compare different games to different games and different teams to different teams. And I think when you see that the, the coachings have only let Jay Sean Corbin carry it 81 times last year through 11 games, and they've already let him carry it 75 times this year, that just shows the confidence they have in their running game. Yeah. And the crazy thing is last year, his backup was LaDainian Webb with 69 carries, actually averaged more car- more yards per carry than him. And now he's got what I would consider an even more capable backup in Sean Ward, 7.4 yeah. yards a carry. 65 long, 365 yards on 49 carries. And Jayshon still has that many carries. And that's not even looking at the receiving game. I mean, you look at where these guys have come from, right? And you've got, where's our guy? Well, okay. It doesn't show me his receiving. That's weird. Well, thanks, ESPN. Either way. Yeah, I hope I didn't say that too close so I can cut it. Um, Isn't that kind of bizarre, though? It doesn't show the... It is. Oh, here's Ward. You look at the receiving game, you look at Treshawn Ward also has 
100 yards on the ground or uh, through the air. So he's got 462 yards of production, and you've got that in the backfield. And then you've got Corbin with another 65 yards receiving himself, which puts him over 600 yards of total production. I mean, it's just crazy looking at the difference that the running backs have made this year. And you got to think, look, Jordan Travis had to carry it 97 times. Dave, this isn't a trick question. I don't know the answer. How many times on those 97 do you think he got hit last year? Oh, almost every one of them. Right, 90 of them probably, maybe 85 it of them. It seemed like lucky. it. I mean, seriously. And you think about what does that do for his body that this year he's only had to carry it 57 times. Now we're halfway, yep. so we'll see how that shakes up. But all right, folks, do you want to improve your performance the same way our defensive line has improved their performance? Well, there's a couple ways to do it. But one of the things you're absolutely going to need is good nutrition. And y'all know it. Tell you all the time. Built Bar is that nutritional partner that you need in your life. It's got 15 to 19 grams of protein. It's only got five grams of carbs, five grams of sugar. It tastes like a candy bar. It builds you up and fills you up like a protein bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. And you know what? Go to one of our YouTube videos and uh, maybe let us know what your favorite flavor is. And we'll see if you can sway us from our staples of chocolate peanut butter brownie for me. Dave, I believe you're a cookie dough guy now. That's right. You converted and Cherry Barcia for Drake. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. And when you're done with that, you're full, you're making good decisions. Well, you're going to have to head on over to BetOnline.ag. Guys, it's the best place to place your bets. Best place to place your bets. There you go. BetOnline.ag. They've got tons of lines. They've got props on pretty much everything. And it's a place to get in on the action. So make your account now. Then on Saturday, come by for our gambling special with Danny Domino and Mr. Drizzy Drake Rogers. They'll give you all the picks. You can put it on your BetOnline account. You win money. You're happy. They're happy. Everyone's a winner, just like we hope Florida State will be. BetOnline.ag. Promo code Locked on. I don't know. I I think that that is a substantial improvement. And finally, I want to look at the defense because this was one of our one of our goals that we put in there was some very specific defensive stats. We said we had to get after the quarterback more. And we said we had to get more turnovers. Dave, without even looking at numbers, do you feel like the defense has probably accomplished those two goals? Yeah, of course. Uh, sacks last year were embarrassing for Florida State in a way they hadn't been in a long, long time. We missed Brian Burns badly. You know, we prayed that Jermaine Johnson would be the answer, but it hasn't just been him. Uh, Dennis Briggs was having a hell of a year prior to his injury. He was one of the five highest-rated pass-rushing interior D linemen in the country. Um, Davian Lovett stepped up. Robert Cooper stepped up. Keir Thomas has stepped up. Uh, the linebackers are the linebackers, but <laughs> the, the yeah, you could see it with your own eyes. You don't need to look at stats to know that this team has gotten after the quarterback better and that it's not a coincidence. The effort's there. The technique seems to have improved. And Jermaine Johnson seems to have just led this bunch in a way that we haven't seen in the locker room in a while. Well, and I think it's the, it, it, you talk about in sports, the different kinds of leadership. You have your vocal leaders who can go in there and say, all right, rah, rah, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. I think that's important, but how much weight does that hold on a three and nine team or a team that right now is two and four? Then you have your leading by example guys. And you can't tell me that even if he didn't say a word, watching 
Number 11 grabs six and a half sacks in the first half of the year. Doesn't fire up the rest of the line. And isn't the reason yep. that, you know, you've got Robert Cooper with half a sack and Kier Thomas with a sack. I'm doing just D Lyman right now. McClendon has two sacks. You look at Dennis yep. Briggs before he got hurt with half a sack, you know, and then you go back through and you look at last year's stats and it's like the whole team last year for the whole year, 11 games had 10 sacks. Yeah. Folks, you Yikes. don't have to be a mathematician. That's like 0.8888, whatever, 0.86333, whatever, sacks per game last year. We have 15 through six games right now. That means we're averaging what? Almost three sacks. We are six, 12, two and a half. Three sacks short of, of, yeah. So, yeah, 2.75 sacks a game. We have obliterated last year's average. Now, yeah. you could say, well, Max, isn't that just one transfer from, from, from Georgia? No, not really, because. Go look at our, our Twitter. We had a great tweet that we shared when Fabian Lovett was our unsung hero of the week. A lot of those are, and this was Dave's goal before the season, he wanted to see complete and comprehensive defense where it all built on each other. A lot of those are team sacks where Kier Thomas just comes flying off the right side and there's Jermaine to put the quarterback on the ground. Or you get a huge push up the middle by Cooper and Lovett. Sam Howell tries to roll out and bam, gets flattened by Jermaine Johnson. Yep. It's been incredible to watch the improvement. All right, so I want to get to the rest of the stats, but before we we do that, um, guys, got to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy reimagined, right? It's a different way to do it. It's more fun, I think, because it's based on props, not just based on fantasy points, and you're not going to get your teeth kicked in by a bunch of dudes with algorithms and machine learning. You go on there in the App Store, Google Play Store, make your account on Prize Picks, use promo code Locked On. That's going to hook it up with $100 matched when you deposit 100 bucks, and that's going to get you started. Anyway, you draft your team, three to five guys. They're going to have uh, various uh, various props on them, you know, over-unders. You pick over-under for each guy, and if you're right on your whole team, you win money back on your entry. It's a lot of fun. It's daily fantasy, again, with a cool twist. Go to Prize Picks, download the app, use it this weekend. I don't know. Make the games a little more interesting. So then, Dave, another thing we wanted to do, because again, this episode's all about contextualizing the season. We've seen that while we are two and four, we've experienced dramatic improvement over last year. Yeah. So what else is going on in the country that makes that improvement matter more? Well, quite simply, the second half of this season doesn't look as intimidating as it did at the beginning of the year. Sure. We said this is going to be a murderer's row. We're going to hope we are four and two or better at the first half. That way, if we limp through and go one and five in the second half, we'll be okay. However, we're now seeing that Miami is two and four. They're two and four, right? No FPS wins. Florida has completely derailed. I mean, I said this yesterday, but it bears repeating. How bad do you have to be that beating you gets the other team's head coach fired. <laughs> that's such a great point. Like, that's terrible. You were so bad that even though the other team beat you, LSU went, yeah, 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 but we don't want people to think that means you're good. So now we need to announce it because that we don't want people to think you're saving your job by beating a middling Florida team that's, you know, probably headed for a pure dumpster fire. Yeah. And finally, the biggest surprise of the year that I will give Drake full credit for because I didn't believe it was going to happen this I year. I didn't either. Is Clemson. They win the, you know, University of Southern California award, right? The team to start in the top five 
and finish unranked. I mean, you're talking about three games that I would have been convinced we would lose by a combined 100 points. Yep. And now none of them look unwinnable. Yeah, we got an opportunity before us, don't we? Um, even though they may not be that good, a lot of teams still get that, well, you know, maybe it was just a down year. Look where they started the year. They were still an impressive team at some point this year. Beating Clemson would be a big deal. I don't care if they suck. Beating Florida, beating Miami, those are all huge deals for recruiting, for just, I mean, the fan base, right? We have we need to see a Florida or Miami win. Uh, two and four, Miami is in the same spot we are, arguably worse. Florida has been a lot better than us for several years now, and their recruiting isn't better than ours. Miami's 59th or something in the country in recruiting. Clemson's still good, but there is a real opportunity before us in the second half of the schedule that if we can pull off some surprises, suddenly we're ending the year like in a substantially better position than our main rivals. I think they have about a 10% chance to do it. But if this team were able to find a way to make a bowl game, even if it's the Shreveport, Louisiana, whatever, whatever bowl, I don't think I'm in a position right now to properly express how important that would be for the fan base. Yeah. It sucks that we're there. Like I said at the beginning, I wish this were 2014 where a New Year's Six Bowl is disappointing, but it's not. And for this team to start the way they've started and then pull an e-break and be able to stop a skid, if they find a way to win even three of these last six games and win five games, I view that as a massive success. I think that... Yeah, how easy would it have been to make excuses? You, you know, you had some bad breaks there. You heard after the first couple of games, oh, if this hadn't happened, that Hail Mary at the end of Jacksonville State, yep. we hadn't missed a kick against Notre Dame. It would have been so easy for this team to just start, you know, the better players start saying, all right, screw it, we're playing for our draft stock. Or, you know what, I'm opting out of the season, in fact. Uh, that's That hasn't happened. The opposite's happened. It's exciting. Yeah, and to highlight that point, I think one big thing is the defensive line. You know, if you're Jermaine Johnson – it'd be very easy to say, okay, I just need to get some tape on myself. So I'm going to be out there showing my, showing my get off, showing my, my moves, my swim move, my rip move, really getting all that on tape and not actively working as a unit with the rest of his D line. Instead, yep. you've got Fabian Lovett actively talking about, Hey, these younger guys should get some burn, you know, get McClendon in there. You got Jermaine Johnson working with Kier Thomas in tandem to really make sure they're getting to the pass rusher. And I think in the long run, it will benefit him more than being selfish, but in the short run, it'd be easy to check out and be selfish. So I love seeing that. I love the play that we've seen from Jordan Travis. I think all those things are just indicative of a team that believes that maybe they could do a little bit more than people originally thought this year. And again, looking around the league, one thing I really noticed with Clemson is they have a lot of talent on their roster, right? They're not Miami. Miami doesn't have a lot of great players. Uh, Florida has some good players, some not so great. Clemson is one of the most talented teams of the country. And one thing I noticed in the Syracuse game on Friday was at the end of the half, first half, Clemson's tied 7-7, and they get a touchdown. They get a running touchdown, two-yard run. Their running back celebrated. Like he had just scored the winning touchdown in the national championship, getting picked up, you know, they're going nuts. And it's like, Guys, you're up seven points at half on Syracuse in the Carrier Dome. What yeah. are you celebrating? 
several times. They were pulling an FSU a la 2016-2017. They'd hit a guy after an eight-yard reception. Then the guy's getting up, celebrating, and you're like, this is a team that is not well-coached. This is a team that's not disciplined. And frankly, I think it's a team in Clemson that is coasting on the accomplishments of the past. And I think that that is a team that could be very vulnerable for a young, hungry Florida State team that wants to prove themselves. Because to your point, beating Clemson will always be, from now on, beating Clemson. It doesn't matter that they're unranked this year, that they're only 4-2. and If we beat Clemson, that is probably going to set up the most electric atmosphere in Doak you've seen since Notre Dame. And one of the top five atmospheres you've seen probably in five or six years for that Miami game. So it's still knocking off Clemson. Beating Miami, still beating Miami. If you could win one of those three, Miami, Clemson, and Florida, I think it's a success. If you could win two or three, which you now have a chance to do based on everything going on, I mean, dude, like... Yep. And not only that, but we're contributing to the tailspin, right? Like Florida State started out the year with low expectations. We've pulled some surprises already. We beat the hell out of UNC. That was a surprise. Uh, Some people might thought we could pull the upset. Nobody thought it was going to look like that. Um, Well, that's the difference, right? Last year was an upset of of North Carolina. That game, it felt like we got down 10-0, and then we just never – we never looked back. Like we got, we tied the game up and then that was it. It was like, all right, right. We were in control. My, now Miami started the year ranked playing Alabama. Uh, it was Alabama, whatever. Miami's still pretty good, right? You can't convince me that you'd rather be in the spot that Miami's in than where we are, which is, it's pretty obvious to the eye that we are, despite our record, getting better. Miami started the year with expectations and is so, is clearly so far from those that I don't know how you could have, hope as a fan of that school you you don't want your coach there so badly the school doesn't seem committed to football and beating them would only contribute to their tailspin if they beat us it's like yeah florida state sucked this year that's what was expected if we beat them though that's just one more notch on the belt of miami's downfall which seems like it's the second half trend of every year so i guess that's what's at stake then when we talk about what opportunity does florida state have for the second half of this year it's to sell, well, first it's to create, then it's to sell the narrative that we're trending up and these other guys are trending down. And that is so important. It's, you said you woke up today in New York, it's 40 degrees. Isn't it so much colder at 40 degrees in the fall when it's dropping down to 40 than in the spring when it's coming back to 40 from like the 20s? 100%. Same exact thing. Finishing the back half of the season at three and three when you started two and four with a disastrous loss, maybe one of the worst losses in program history, is a totally different season than going five and seven by just winning every other game or starting yeah. four and one and then dramatically sliding off the cliff. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what this team does. I'm really excited for the second half of the season. But what I am most excited about for you longtime listeners is to bring you tomorrow a friend of the program. The one and only curly hair, don't care, WWE fanatical, Mr. Trey Rowland. Stop by tomorrow, just like you did today, just like you do every day. Make sure you're subscribed. Thank you for your patronage. Dave loves you. I love you. Drake loves you. Stacy loves you. 
Holly loves you. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Good old baby.